Okay. Yeah, I think it's cool. <laughs> it's it's in the ether. I would keep that. Didn't Kanye too have a show or something or some sort of TV deal or? Probably, yeah. Everyone, man. Jay Cole did the doc with them, yeah. Jay's G's got. I heard like a new deal with Apple. That's yeah, that's the, the new thing now. And Cash Money, I right. think, just signed with right, uh, yeah. Apple. Everybody wants content, right? So it's, yeah, Cash Money's doing that. I saw the trailer for it. Baby's the uh, narrator. It's yeah. a little weird because they're, sometimes it's, I find it hard when those guys try to tell their own story. They think that stuff that's interesting is maybe not as interesting to the viewer. So, yeah, it's interesting. Beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Girth. Right, yeah. Do you want to jump on the mic too? I can get you on. Uh, you sure? Yeah, he's got nothing to support. Okay. <laughs> Mike's just my drinking buddy, but he did help me hook up a lot of interviews. And we had a hot dogs. We had an after party, and Mike killed it. We had a Melly Mel at the Soho House. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. What heads. are you drinking? Uh, cucumber Collins. Ooh, it's kind of just like good. it got warm all of a sudden again. So. Is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should I should mix it up because the beers makes me fat. <laughs> We can get some food too after, so dope, dope. Thanks, yeah, man, that's great. Sure. So, what's your story? You, we were saying you look familiar, eh, Mikey? Yeah. Uh, I've seen you around, yeah, and yeah. I know, like, hmm. Yeah, he's a yeah. Um, and then, then I just know like people within the industry. So, are you from Toronto? yeah, from okay. Toronto. Yeah, I've just I'm born seventy four, so forty, well, forty one. Yeah, you're younger than me. Yeah, yeah. forty two. Forty two. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you I've just like no. Thankfully, I know. Well, that's why I'm also radio too, right? It's yeah, so just yeah, radio right. face. Face for radio. <laughs> face for radio. So they they keep you where you belong. No, but I've done just like I've uh, worked with bands. I've been video producer. I've done like I tour manage one band from Toronto to Vancouver. Cool. I've done work at Edge One Hundred Two. I've worked with filmmakers. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, your name is familiar to me for sure. Okay, that's good. I'll take yeah, it. That's part of my fifteen yeah, minutes. Yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> Uh, you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, we're just going to go right to the... We're going to start off right Give to the her. start. Yeah, sounds great. The the uh, the docu-series? Is, I guess, is, is that what it's called? The docu-series? Yeah, I guess you could call it a docu-series. It's funny. It's had so many incarnations. I'm not quite sure what to call it. Okay. <laughs> The docu-series thing, yeah. the, uh, it's the origins of hip-hop, but right. what are your origins of hip-hop? Oh, I'm glad you asked me this because I always, you know, don't think people know this about me. I, I'm not actually a Toronto guy. I've lived here for like maybe 20 years, but I'm actually from uh, near Windsor, a town called Erie, Ontario. It's like a little peninsula with like 500 people in the, in the winter, about 2,000. It's a nice little summer area. So yeah. right across the lake from me is Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then like literally 40 minutes, the other side of Detroit. So I used to, I would say my hip hop like ins are from Detroit. I, I used to tape a show called uh, The Electrifying Mojo on my like radio. And I just love music. I always have my uncles brought that in. My dad's a big music guy, not necessarily a rap guy, but he definitely liked uh, all kinds of, you know, music, whether it was rock or Marvin Gaye or soul. But my uncles were the cool ones. They were a little bit younger. They were into P-Funk and that sort of got me into that stuff. And so I would tape the show and they would play like what now I guess is considered Detroit techno. But yeah. They'd also play rap. So they'd play like Melly Mel and the, you know, the Furious Five. Uh, Planet Rock was for me like, wow. I remember hearing that and being like, what is this? You know, and it did sound like it was from outer right, space. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I, so that was, I taped that and 
you know, so me and my friends, we would be crazy and we'd drive all, I bought all my records in Detroit at a place called Northland Mall. If you're a Detroit person, you might know where this is. And uh, yeah, so I remember like, I couldn't exactly pinpoint the first rap record I bought, but I would always go there and it just, you know, eventually turned into me buying everything. It was one of the big first ins for me was Boogie Down Productions, buying that. Sometimes I would buy like records just on the cover. I bought De La Soul on the cover. I remember going like, whoa, this looks cool. The you know? three feet. And right. You got it. Yeah. So that's my in. It's that that era, that neighborhood of. But then Cleveland was a big influence, too. I think people don't know that Cleveland was pretty, um, I guess, black music oriented. You know, there's the stations there that would rule. They play Prince the first time. And stuff. so, yeah, I would say for me, that was the first inclinations of getting into hip-hop but then i went you know i go to concerts there i remember my parents let me go to see public enemy when i was in like grade 10. nice so, yeah. i've never seen public enemy, oh, you gotta see public enemy. yeah great live i remember the best part of that i drove with my friends in like his crappy little sprint there's three of us three white guys and we went to the fox theater and watched him and i remember like flavor Flav coming out seeing like three white kids and giving us pounds because we had really good seats <laughs> yeah. just like that obviously like i'm just gonna make sure you guys don't get your asses kicked, you know <laughs> but yeah that that's my first in and then from then on, I've just been a fan, buying it and loving it and being able to cover it. I went, I moved to Toronto for school for Ryerson, but I wasn't taking anything like I'm doing now. I was taking social work. Mm -hmm. so oh, that's it, completely right. different. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's come in handy. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I, yeah, from then on, I don't know if you want me to give you the whole spiel here, but I went to... Um, I opened it, so let's yeah, go down thanks. that road. Yeah, yeah, might as well. So then from then on, I went to... My friend interned at a show called Big Life with Daniel Ritzer at CBC, and she was like, you know, you're such a music nut. You should talk to Daniel. So I went in, and there was a PA job, and I interviewed, and I got the job on the spot. So from then on, I started to do, whether it was TV production stuff and helping, I really learned the hard way by doing it, forcing me to do it. You know, sometimes you'd be like, we don't have a camera person. Can you run it? And I'd be like, sure. And I learned that way, and I, I learned to edit there. And That's usually um, the best way to learn, right? though. It was pretty great. I remember kids coming from Ryerson, and they were in journalism or in RTA, and they didn't know how to do crap that I knew. It was like, okay, I'll teach you how to run a beta machine. You know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, you paid all this money for yeah. that, so and I'm getting paid to do it. So it was a great experience. And then from then, I got poached by Denise Donlan to go work at the New Music. At Oh, I worked at a show called Undercurrents first uh, for a year with uh, Wendy Mesley as like a PA book and travel and do a little research and then I got poached by Denise through Avi Lewis you know uh, the good filmmaker journalist yeah. was the host of New Music he and Naomi me. Klein and right that's her partner uh, and I went and uh, had an interview there and I got the job the New Music basically like three weeks before I think Strombo George Strombolopoulos was hired and then I got hired and he that was, was a great run that show right. yeah it was a blast it really was and then from then I went and I produced, uh, helped out and produced a couple other shows there a bit, like uh, Going Coastal, it was called, Much West with Nardwar stuff. And then I did uh, Rap City and Much Vibe for a bit. And then I jumped over with George and went to The Hour at CBC. Mm -hmm. And uh, I helped conceive and come up with that show and worked there for about seven that years. That was another great run, too. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, that was awesome, too. You know, we got to do whatever we wanted to and do new stuff and really hadn't been done. And then from then on, I, I, I left that show and just jumped into documentary film work. Yeah, I went over to Banger Films. They were doing um, metal stuff, but they had been approached by the Sam Dunn and all you that. You got it. Sam, and Scott, Sam Dunn and Scott McFadden, real music fans. Banger, Scott, I mean, Sam primarily was, you know, a total headbanger, but he's a music fan. It's, yeah. It's, I think people, 
pigeonhole him a little bit. He loves, he's a bass player. He loves funk. Stanley Clark is his favorite, you know. And Scott is a cool guy. Like, Scott loves all. I remember when I got there, he goes, you got to make me, like, some rap playlist. So I would do that for those guys. And but then we just started to work on this. And I originally wasn't going to direct it. I was going to help them sort of find people to do it. And I think that when we were doing it, they were just like, well, why don't you do it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, like, uh, I think I could, you know, and that's how it worked out. So there's a couple, I think that, you know, it's funny, the process of going through this thing, there was people who came in and we talked and it just wasn't knocking it out of the park for them. And they were just like, the more that I was in these meetings with people, they were like, wow, you just know so much more and you have a different bent on it, you know? So from then on, I recruited people and, you know, that's sort of how snowballed, it got going. Yeah. yeah, you got it. It was supposed to be two films. Okay, Actually, yeah. it was supposed to be a 10-part series. That, that was my next up. question. Because, yeah, yeah. That, you're talking, like, cause you're just starting basically at the very beginning of rap. 1973, you got right? it. Right? Yeah. And so it's DJ... It's not even rap yet. Not even, it's just nothing yet, right? And it's just like DJ Cool Herc and the... And that starts right. to snowball, right? Obviously. Yeah. But I'm like, how... I mean, they did the same thing with heavy metal, right? They just charted it from the beginning sure. and yeah, then kind yeah, of yeah, just yeah, let yeah, it... Yeah. Like Sam Dunn and those guys, right? So how... Is it daunting to kind of try and tackle <laughs> and like... Squeeze all this. I had one mo when we started. I said we gotta get Cool Herc. That was my thing. If we don't get Cool Herc, this is gonna be weird. Yeah, it doesn't actually make sense in a way. So now the thing is, I don't know if you know about Herc. Herc just does not do stuff. Yeah, he is hard to get to, and he just says no because he's been screwed over. Yeah, and it's not in his best interest to really give it all. So. Do you know the comedian Russell Peters? Yeah, I know yeah. Russ. Yeah, so yeah. Russ is an executive on the. On yeah, the I was gonna ask about that too. We, yeah. got, we got a lot to get to. Right, right, right. <laughs> I can I can kill this this one for you. This all right answer uh, question. I mean, so Russell and I are friends. We've been friends for a while. We're hip hop homies. Yeah, right? Russell and, even spins and stuff right, too. He loves hip hop. Yeah, guy, he knows so much. He's he's a real revelation to me in that world. You know, and um, he said, "I know Herc. Let me call him." I'm like, dude, sure. So I go over to Russell's house in... I have breakfast. This is what you do with Russell. Russell sleeps late. Yeah. So he's in Mississauga. Right, yeah. Are you Indian? No. Oh, okay. I'm different brown. I'm Egyptian. Oh, okay. Next Ancient door. Astronomer's Egyptian, eh? Yeah. Yeah, funny. Um, so uh, he sleeps late. I go have breakfast with him. He says, we'll call Herc after breakfast. We eat breakfast. Go back. He Russell does his typical thing where he's walking around his house in his underwear. You know, he's got his shirt off. And he gets Herc on the phone. He's like, don't say you're here. I'm like, fine. He's got him on the speaker, and he talks him into it. And he says, Russell, finally, for you, I'll do it. Give Dobby my number. And from then on, it just took off. You know, it was, and it, I think getting Herc was the biggest coup for us. It really made it feel like, okay, we're doing this. This, is, this isn't just going to be like, uh, I don't know, like behind the music or where you'd show videos or something. You were going to talk to him and get to him. And I guess before that, I should back up. I'd, I'd also, you know, we did a... A little bit of recruiting to, to get to Shad and Shad was we had to have a Canadian host for one in order to tap into Canadian funding and tax credits which you need to do in order to make films here so, yeah this is Bell funded and right you got it yeah and Rogers group there's of a couple of people us. involved oh, yeah. DC yeah shout out shout out mm -hmm. uh, and we had, had already had Shad Shad just seemed so naturally such a scholar and really good and respectful and I don't know that I could have you know I don't want to sound you know like I'm dissing any Canadian hip-hop guys because I love them all but his age and where he was at seemed pretty good, you know. The one thing he wasn't going to do is get us people because no one really knew who he was in the States anyways. But, yeah. So that was a real strong thing, I think, anyways. But we had him, and so we went and did Herc, and I think that really, you know, snowballed. Like, when I had to get Run DMC, I talked to Daryl, 
I, I'm, I, How cool was that, I, eh? Run yeah. DMC. It wasn't easy to get to them, though. They were just sort of an, avoiding me, Run DMC. It's funny. But I remember I took my wife, and Daryl had a comic book, mm-hmm. and he was doing a signing, and I went to the signing in New York, and I was like, I get up to get with him, and I bought a comic book, me and my wife, he's, and he, he looks at me, and he's like, you're not here for a comic book, are you? And I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> he read me, and I said, I told him, and I said, we got D, I need you. We got Herc. But, you know, I said, bam, flash. He goes, you got Herc? And he stood up and he yells at his manager, Eric, get over here. They got Herc. So that was it, you know. So yeah. Herc really helped us. I think people have such respect for him yeah. and what he did. And it just snowballed and snowballed from, from that. Yeah. And then you mentioned, like, growing up and kind of peering into Detroit, Cleveland. Right. And, like, you just mentioned also, like, Russell's Canadian. Mm. Uh, Shad is Canadian. You have – like, yeah. how – how is it you're telling a story that is very much, especially the first two episodes, very much based in New York City? I mean, rap is synonymous with New York first City. First three episodes. First three York, episodes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, how are you through that Canadian lens telling a very American New York City kind of story? Does that kind of change it or warp it? I think it, it helps it. Um, you know, it's hard. I don't know if people know, think of this, but I, I think this is a real thing that you can't, you can, but you might not always do it the the right way or with a with a lens back of being in the scene and tell the story you can do it it happens but i think when you know like you ever watch like uh reggae britannica like all the good reggae docs are done by the brits right so i i i think that that outsider perspective helped us get people because they're like well these guys aren't there's no like um past thing like oh i know dobby he knows you know this guy and you know politics and hip-hop within the circles is a big thing i mean i think anybody right it's not always even beef. It's just like, what does this guy want from me? Whereas yeah. we were just like pretty genuine. I think they knew that we had a lot of love and we're pretty well researched. And, you know, I'm a white guy. So that <laughs> sometimes I think could be a flight. But I never got any of that stuff. They really saw what we, I would talk to them and do pre-interview stuff, too. And I think they got to I met Herc before we went. Uh, Rodrigo and I drove to before and we went to Herc's 40th anniversary in Central Park and he took me right under his wing, you know, and introduced me to all these other people. Like I met Kaz there the first time and Rakim. And I think that perspective of being a Canadian and being an outsider, it helped. There's no doubt about it. Cause you could tell the story with an open angle. There's no agenda. Yeah. Right. So I think that's something that was a strong thing for us. I remember cool Modi was sort of frustrated when he inter- interviewed me. He sort of looks at it before the interview. He's like, why is a bunch of Canadians from Toronto doing this? Yeah. Why hasn't anybody <laughs> done this? And I think that that was that stood out for me. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, I never thought of it that way. But I think, I mean, I hope Canadians hearing this are encouraged by that and go, oh, you're right. I can be that outsider perspective. There's also the hip hop guys know they've been up here. They know our you know there's Caribbean roots. There's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of West Indian roots that happen here and. They know that we know our music, you know, and it did. Ha- I think it helped a little bit that Drake was super hot. Too. <laughs> it was sort of happening. Yeah. You know? We're from so, the six, right? Yeah, we weren't the six when we started. I don't think though. The six maybe was like because this is like three years. T dot, yeah, we were still the T dot O or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you picked up on that because I think it was a strength for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you you were saying when you were your origins in terms of like how you discovered rap, started mm. listening to rap, and I was trying to think too, just as you were talking, like yeah. I can't remember the first like rap record or rap song I heard or whatever, but it was a lot of the earlier stuff like Ice T, right? Like, oh, good one. You know what I mean? And it's just like wow, like there was nothing like that in Toronto. You like Ice T? No, he hasn't hold up, but just for sheer nostalgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, I always ask people that because he's one of those guys who's like, nah. Yeah. Or it's like, yes, I love him so much. He's great. His voice. And yeah, I think he's amazing. Yeah. He's one of the better interviews we had, actually. Yeah. No, he, he's a smart guy. Right. Like, he, he was one of the first guys to kind of knew what he was doing. And like, even as the money was coming in, he was living in Beverly Hills with that wife. Right. And like, yeah, Darlene. But yeah, yeah. But he was still living, like, talking about the rat, the street and like hustling and yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know? I still think Ice is connected. <laughs> Just talking to him, yeah. He's like, I still got guys watch me. He says, I might be on. C they say I, they like CIS or whatever. What's his what's his show? CSI. I'm here with yeah. my friend Mike here. CSI, and they're like, oh, they. I remember saying to me, they still check me on CSI, but. They really check me on what I'm actually saying about the streets. I can't just say anything, you know. Yeah. You know the funny thing about him is, you know, he did the art of rap, and it was a documentary. Yeah. It was mostly about MCing and that idea. I like that documentary. Right, I did too a lot. It was really great. Nice is great. Yeah. But his manager was really afraid. He's like, "Why is Ice going to do an interview for your doc? We just did a doc, right?" Yeah. And I remember at the end of the interview, he said to me, "He goes, you guys aren't doing the art of rap, you know." I said that, and I was like. You're, I told you, I tried to tell George, you know, this, but it's really funny that I think that he was afraid we were going to bite a, uh, his manager's afraid we were going to oh, yeah. bite all that idea, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But we were, we were sort of de delving about history and moments and where were you and this first thing. And whereas Ice's Art of Rap, which people should see, is about the art of rap. Yeah. yeah. I think it was the the movie poster was in uh, Chaz's room or was it was it him, I think? In Kaz. Kaz's, Kaz's room. Kaz's room. Yeah, Kaz yeah. Kills that movie. Yeah. Really good. Kaz think, kills our movie, too. Yeah. What a what a guy, Grandmaster Cat. It's interesting too when you interview the older guys. They they still got a lot of pride. Like we oh won that battle, God. and like, and it's like you're talking. You were asking them about stuff about like late seventies, early eighties, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah, but like, yeah. yo, we were the best ones on the street. We were like, yeah. that pride is still. Melly Mel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel wore, wears that stuff like a badge of honor and so does Kaz you know I love that because I think that they deserve it and they they did they were the I mean I don't I mean I sound like a broken record about this but and I guess it's a little bit like cliche but no Jay-Z no if there's no Kaz and Mel there's no Jay there's no Nas there's no Drake there's I'm just telling you you know you can be as into you know waka flaka whatever yeah those guys are the template they and, and it changed there's no doubt about it but it's like my dad once said to me, I remember my dad is like a blue drinker. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I have Guinness. I come up with Guinness. I go, he's like, what is that? And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, you're so white bread Canadian, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I'm like, dad, look at the date. Yeah. No Guinness, or no blue, no yeah. Guinness. You know, no yeah. Guinness, no blue, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. No, that makes sense. And I mean, the template. The Sammy, template, yeah. yeah. But you, also, like, I didn't realize it was like, uh, I think it was in the first episode, you said there was like maybe about a 10 year window or so right. where like they were doing a lot of like cool Herc parties and all that kind of stuff and it's spreading in the different boroughs and things like that. But they weren't putting it on wax yet. It no. wasn't like, didn't I didn't realize that. They didn't know how to do that, right? They yeah. didn't have the actual ability to have it recorded. And like their jams were 15 to 30 minutes long, right? Yeah. Like the Cold Crush would go on forever against the band. Fantastic. And, you know, so I think, and, I think Flash was a big part of that too. Flash was just like, I don't know how to do a song. You know, it took, and it, if you go back and look at Flash's history, he sort of got left in the dust a little bit because he couldn't figure that out, right? So he figured out one part of it was like, get the MCs. But as far as recording, he, if you do your research, he's not in the mess. He's not on the message. Mm -hmm. It's the MCs. He's not in those songs, right? So it's funny. Not everybody figured it out. And some of them, I mean, Flash obviously does really well now and he's so good, but yeah, because he's just the DJ principles. But as far as recording stuff, I don't know what's the Grandmaster Flash hit. I mean, his name's on there, but he's not on the record. Yeah. Right. He's not on white lines. He's not on the message. 
right? He's he's he. I think he's on Super Rap and like he did the music for that, but I don't know. Yeah. He reminds me, uh, kind of even just watching your thing. He reminded me a little bit of Stan Lee, oh, just like kind sort of, of wild and weird. Yeah, and, yeah. and like he obviously interesting analogy, right? He yeah. contributed at the beginning, right? You know what I mean? Like you can't deny his contribution, oh but there was God. all these other elements, as you were saying in the documentary, right? That kind of came together to form it. But yeah. he's this still elder statesman, much like Stan Lee is, and like you remember Curtis Blow. He says when people think about rap today they think about the voice right and i appreciate the dj too but just where it's at now if you want to peel back that uh flash is important but melly mel is way more important in my in my estimation you know yeah well i mean that was the that was the other thing that was kind of interesting how rap evolved too was like public enemy came out with a consistent dj D- uh, run dmc right had jam right. master j consistent dj yeah. that's Whereas, the park stuff they were just influenced right it's yeah like principles of hip-hop which should you know still be uphold but not everybody upholds them anymore but it's that's almost more like a band or a gang in a sense right whereas right. when you pick up the new jay-z album or kanye you'll see like a list of like 10 people <laughs> right just blaze yeah. and no id and all these different right, people yeah. like did you go to kanye this week i did, did yeah you? so where was the dj Everything was built under the stage. Okay. Under not the floating stage, under the regular. Yeah. But he did have apparently a some of a band, somewhat of a band. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Cause I wondered that. I saw all. The, I was supposed to go, but I had to do early morning stuff, and I so I didn't end up going. And I really like seeing him live. He's amazing. But I wondered. I was like, so where is the music coming from? He's floating around on this big thing. <laughs> And I mean, it could have been a dat. I've seen many a hip shop show yeah. where dat's at, but I'm like, oh, people paid 250 bucks, give them a band or a DJ. Right? Yeah, I think it's. I think uh, just from what he was saying in interviews, it's similar to how Shad uh, tours. You know how Shad will have like a real bit live bass player, right. and then he'll yeah. have like a DJ in the corner. Keno, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and so there's kind of like half instrumentation, cool. half. Yeah, like, I know that Mike Dean played keyboards a lot for Kanye, so mm-hmm. I'm being nerdy here, but. No, he gave him a shout out too. Great. So great, great, he great. was obviously there, but I think there was like a le- like another layer underneath the floating stage. Cool. Yeah. And so they Kanye just Kanye kinda... gets it. I would not be surprised. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, that's the thing about Kanye, and I think that there, as much as he's a huge pop star, that guy flies the hip hop flag. He loves it. Yeah. He knows it. I've interviewed him twice. Mm-hmm. He is so knowledgeable about hip hop and appreciates it. Right. Yeah. Like I always like guys that are like sing the praise of dj premiere that to me is like okay yes you get it and yeah it's kanye so anyways i don't want to derail a no no because i mean it's school. all like you were saying like it's just the building blocks of right. how we got to yeah. kanye and how we got to jay-z and all these people yeah, right i think that's what we're trying to do and i mean it's hard i remember when we were doing the series too the broadcaster was like well can you include like uh j cole and kendrick and can, what was drake thinking about i'm like they don't think about those guys they don't know about those guys so I mean, we could have asked Nas, maybe that would yeah. have been the level, but, and we tried to do that with a few things, but it, when we were trying to edit it in, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was way better when the guys were telling their story. And I know that's a risk you take that you might not get a 19 year old's eyes on it, you know, but I feel like to me, I'm like, well, maybe they're going to watch it five years from now and be like, oh, okay, this is the history. You know, yeah. maybe when you get older, you're not so rebelling against what's old and you're you know maybe taking it in you know so i hope that works out but it is a risk and i get why the broadcasters wanted those people because it's a draw Mm -hmm. you want drake yeah yeah it looks good but we never we intentionally try it we tried it it didn't work Mm -hmm. 
But it, I noticed too, like when you see like uh, when you go to like a YouTube video and you'll right. like listen to De La Soul or something, you'll you can tell but just by the way that they write it, it's like a younger person, and it's like <laughs> we don't have shit like this anymore. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they'll yeah, use some yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah. weird slang or whatever, and it's like yeah, that's because that's like that was our golden era, all those guys, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, sure. We interviewed De La, but they never made it in the series. We never went that far, so hopefully we can get some more. Is going. that the plan then to kind of keep going? Because like how? I guess there was not a there's not a real plan for that, but I think there is some enthusiasm for it. I think it's all going to be like, how's it going to do? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of screening, there are a lot of views on the trailer, which is encouraging. So mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. And you had the hot docs, and that went well. Right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got great reviews for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks it's 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 worked out pretty good. I mean, people have only seen the first two, mm -hmm. so we'll see how three and four go. Yeah. What surprised you? Like, was there anything that you learned or like uh, yeah, that kind of stood sure. out to you? Or? DJ Hollywood. Um, I'm not from New York City, so. That guy was cool. Yeah, I mean, Hollywood, there's another guy. Like, he's more like in that showman vein of disco rap. And, but the hip hop guys don't consider him hip hop. Mm -hmm. He's not from the Bronx. And he kicked him out of the club. He was like the, but, you know, Russell Simmons and Nelson George and Curtis Blow were like, that guy was the man. He was the man in New York City, yeah. right? So that's something I learned about. And then his, his things he would say are in hip-hop now. You know, yes, yes, y'all. You know, you don't stop. And, like, all these, like, there's a lot of other stuff. You could go through, like, if you listen, I've heard Busta Rhymes say about, like, 10 Hollywood things in the rhymes. Mm -hmm. And I would go back and hear that and go, like, oh, wow. Even Public Enemies say stuff that mm -hmm. you're like, oh. When I was listening to Hollywood stuff, I'm like, okay. And Chuck D said he listened to him, too, right? So... Yeah, that was a revelation for me, just the innovation that he had, and he was never appreciated at all. And I mean, Hollywood had a hard time. Like, these guys, drugs was a big thing for them. You know, a lot of them fell into uh, Herc and Mel, and well, Hollywood was one parties, of them. right? So, well, also they partied and they partied, at, all of them partied at Disco Fever, Sal yeah. Abatiello's awesome club in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening is that they would have good cars and then the best drugs, and you know, cocaine was a big thing. But then when crack came in, they just thought it was parcel of the same thing, you know, but that just completely derailed them and it destroyed a lot of the guys. Yeah. They came back and all he was doing great. He still DJs. And, uh, I talked to him the other day, you know, he called me up. He's like, I saw the trailer and he's so mm -hmm. stoked. And I hope that people can really, really hammer home this idea that there's not just who you think created rap. There's, and you know, Hollywood's only a blip. He's a big guy, but in that same vein, there was other guys, you know, Lubbock Starsky was, was doing the same thing. And, um, Eddie Chiba. Yeah, was, that uh, was an interesting part because it was like barely 40 minutes in the first episode. You're already like, because of guys like Hollywood versus like say DJ Cool Herc and stuff, it's like, what is hip hop? And that right. that yeah. tension yeah. is already created. I didn't realize that tension was there from the get-go. You know what's funny? They're friends though. Like they're all friends. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. But yeah, like they don't, like I remember Theodore's like, DJ uh, Grand Rose Theodore's like, Hollywood kicked me out of a party, man. And we were the, we are hip hop. He's mm -hmm. not. He wanted to be hip hop later when we got hot yeah he hated us you know but if you're like i like russell simmons makes this point if we're talking about them and, and curtis we're talking about rap and you cannot deny the guy had an influence he was and you know, of course russell equates it to how much he charged to get into the club <laughs> i know the yeah. capitalist right yeah so but yeah that was a big revelation for me and then little things you know like i love uh grandmaster kaz's stories about just the early parts of the battle and what they would do and you know they would try to stack the room of the cold crush people yeah so i knew it was, you know i would be lying to you if i didn't tell you i knew a lot of that stuff but 
just from being a nerd, but mm-hmm. it was I, I I learned little things. But Hollywood for sure for me was a, a big revelation, and it was mostly from Nelson George being like, "You gotta include Hollywood, you gotta include him." And then we went to interview Russell. Russell was so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, "If you're gonna do a doc about hip hop, if you don't include him, you're not doing a doc." So that was a big, big, big learning thing. Is hip hop going through this kind of nostalgia? Because it's getting. If you go by the the DJ cool, yeah, (laughs) right. Because I mean, like the the get downs on Netflix, we had dope just last year. I mean, I've been going through this nostalgia for 25, 30 years. Yeah. Personally, no. I'm always. I'm gonna be going through it. Probably Mike knows, forever. You know, my friend Mike over here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure, the get downs out there, and yeah, it's funny. I turn my kids on to like the Furious Five. I'm like, if they're gonna listen to like. And they're 11 and 9. If they're going to listen to stuff, I want them to hear the message, right? So they know all the words to the message. Yeah. And they think that... And they meet Mel. They Like, I took them to the hot dogs. Nice. Yeah, they're like, whoa! And this, I'm like, this is the guy who did the message. And they're just like, whoa! So I, I like to ingrate that in people. But yeah, I, you know what's funny? Maybe there is a nostalgia thing, but the, I've been talking to people lately, and the real buzz thing out there now is 90s hip-hop, right? So yeah. clubs are playing 90s hip-hop night. So I think there is. I, I mean, I'm maybe the wrong guy to ask about that because I'm. It's my world all the time. If I if it's nostalgia, then yeah, it's news to me. I was surprised because you mentioned the '90s clubs and stuff. I was in Chicago about a year ago, and right. it was uh, one of those like we ended up just in some random bar. We were just meeting some people. Yeah. And uh, it was like some sort of start of the school year kind of thing or whatever. So it was all like younger kids, 1920. <laughs> yeah, and then all that kind of stuff came on, right? right. Like some De La Soul came on oh, or whatever. Cool. And Tribe and like Can I Kick It? And yeah. like, I'm like, how you kids know all this stuff? Yeah. Like, and, but it well, was remember, like... Remember, like, I think it happens. Like Michael Jackson, you know, got big. And, you know, like I even remember my brother being like so into Led Zeppelin. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, six years younger, eight years younger than me, actually. And I'm like, my uncle's going, what do you know about Led Zeppelin? You know what I mean? But I think that happens. And, you know, the Delas and the Q-Tips and the, maybe they are the Led Zeppelins and the Stevie Wonders of today, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, the names you have in this series, like right. DJ Cool Herc, uh, yeah. LL Cool J, who's kind of been inactive. Like, I know he's been doing a lot of right. acting, but he hasn't. Yeah, he like, doesn't do a lot of music here and there. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these are like Ice-T. We just talked about Ice-T, yeah. right? Like, these are like big like contributions. Right. They're, they're, they're legend. Yeah. yeah. Run DMC. Yeah. Big Daddy Kane. Rakim. Rakim. Like, yeah. Rakim that is, guy's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Rakim has changed it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think there's a part in the doc, I don't want to give up too much information, where Run DMC are just sort of like, we're over once we hear him. Mm-hmm. It's done. Yeah. And if you think <laughs> about it, they're done. Yeah. He kill, He single-handedly came in and just wiped guys out with his cadence and flow and that rhyme. And he never swore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was one of the proudest things that I had in the... I never even thought about this, but when we did the screening at Hot Dogs, Melly Mel, the first thing he said after he did a, we did a Q&A, and he was like, I just want to say, did you hear one thing about cussing, putting down bitches and hoes or guns yeah. in that? And I never even thought about it. I was like, whoa. I mean, we have episode four coming, which completely screws that whole thing up. Yeah. The, it's true. The first three episodes, there's not much of that going on. You can play this stuff for your kids. So, right. Yeah, it's crazy. Chris Rock has a joke about that. Like, yeah. rap is the, uh, you have to defend rap, right? right. Now, like, he's, he's t- he likes listening to rap, but you have to defend it. But he said, like, as part of the joke, for the older stuff, uh, the Run DMC and all that kind of stuff, right? You could play for your kids and right? everything was yeah. fine. You could play Ra- Rakim, any Rock Eric being Rakim record. I mean, they sort of, he makes induendos of rhymes being drug sales and stuff, which is, you know, in hip hop now. But yeah. I mean, it's all clean. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I heard stories about Eric B and Rakim. Like Russell Peters is good friends with Eric. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's some crazy stories about those guys. Like, <laughs> so you have another documentary to well, make them. Those are the inside stories. I don't. I'm not such a big tabloidy guy. So as you can see, the docs aren't very. We don't really delve into too much of that stuff. You know. Mm -hmm. In terms of then, like the foundation of of rap and everything like that. How when you were kind of going back and just listening to like the original crews and they're just kind of battling and mm -hmm. uh, DJ Cool Herc and stuff like that, were you able to kind of see how the ambition kind of started to slowly build so that it because now rap is this juggernaut and you talked about it right yeah. off the top how it's just affecting politics and sports and stuff. There's a few business guys who started to bubble in like um, you know I'm thinking of Enjoy Records and um, oh I'm really flaking on the guy who started Enjoy sorry Kumo D. Uh, Robinson, oh help me out here, Darby. Well, the, Enjoy Records was um, a label that was it was basically just a store in Harlem, and uh, the name's gonna come to me. I'm sorry, his last name's Robinson too, which is interesting. I'm trying to get to the other part of the story. Um, Enjoy is a store that's in Harlem, and it's just a record store. But he eventually get, uh, ends up signing like Kumo D, The Treacherous Three, Flash, and The Furious, and then he. Um, basically it gets them all poached away by uh, Sugar Hill Records out of uh, Sylvie Robinson in, uh, in New Jersey. So that's really where the business side comes in. Like, I don't think there was, there's stuff like Curtis Blow had early inclinations to do, to, you know, start to get busy. And he's the first signed solo uh, rap artist, but that's where it bubbles. You see it for sure. But Herc and, you know, Black, uh, Bam is doing stuff later a little bit. Mm -hmm. even from his early DJs with to uh, Tommy Boy, but it's not, it's like the idea of putting on wax. They didn't really see it as it, it was That's what, what I was getting at, yeah. is in there, you know, as a, as a part of the culture, obviously. I mean, we call it hip hop evolution, but it really should be called rap evolution because mm -hmm. hip hop is a culture, um, you know, graffiti and uh, break dancing and the you know, elements of, uh, you got it, the four elements. And that's, I mean, if, I, I know I'm going to get my butt kicked for calling it hip hop evolution, but I mean, it'd be really hard to do a four part series with all that stuff in it. You know, mm -hmm. we touched on it, you know, Grand Mixer DXT who did rocket. He was an original B boy. Yeah. Perk and, 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 and uh, bam, you know, so we got those guys, but they are the director of wild style and like, yeah, Charlie Ahern. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you did touch on like, right, yeah, we didn't really knock that out of the park, but it was with intent. We didn't have time to do it. Right. So, but you see, you know, and those guys are, you know, that's really interesting. You brought up Charlie, Charlie too. That's when I know it takes a white guy to step in for people to realize <laughs> so it's happening. Right? This is, yeah. It sort of sucks, but that's a reality of, you know, the USA. And, uh, but Bobby Robinson's story from Enjoy Records, him, Sylvia Robinson, those people were the first ones to see it, you know, and take it. And then you had Russell follow in their footsteps, Russell Simmons with Def mm -hmm. Jam. But yeah, I, I don't think it was really like they weren't entrepreneurs. They didn't even think about it. Yeah. Gigging, DJ, gigging, that worked. Well, especially because if you're popular at the parties and you're meeting girls. You're the man. Yeah. Right. You got so it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, right? I, yeah, yeah. Just the idea. I mean, now. Mark was like a street superstar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what Even I like in the when uh, Shad is interviewing Africa Mabata and yeah. he, the interview is getting interrupted. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> that's I'm, only part of it, too. We got like Bam in the Bronx River was. I know there's a lot of crap going on with Bam right now. Yeah. But, I mean, his contribution is very deep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was funny. Even with that crap, was. It was bubbling, I believe, at that time. We didn't really know about it. When we finished, we heard all the allegations. But 
there was people who came up like they were going crazy when he walked in there it was wild man. Mm-hmm. yeah it was really wild i love that part of the the documentary for sure do you think guys you mentioned this a little bit but do you think guys that are coming up now or trying to put together a rap career or working in, in music and in, in general too do they they have to go back you think to listen to some of this stuff like is nah, it important or do you think not. they can <laughs> um yeah, I mean, maybe I think they just listen to their contemporaries now. I wish they would. I mean, I imagine you know, I, I'm pretty sure J Cole listens to Nas and Dela, and 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 you can see it in him. And I I feel like Drake song called, can't believe Nas down. down. Yeah, that's a Cole song, and I I I can tell Drake has a, an appreciation for the culture. And there's guys that are Kanye. I mentioned you know Kanye's mm-hmm. older though. He's like my age, but the the new school I would say probably don't even. You think. Uh, Lil Yachty and yeah, those guys don't, and they don't care. I mean, they're getting criticized a lot for that now, you know. And I think that's, that's why what, I brought it up. Yeah, well, that's the like, good thing about what Kanye and Jay and Nas did. They made it; it had to be hip hop and respect it. Mm-hmm. It had to be the new generation. And maybe we got to blame Nas and Jay and those guys for not making it stronger mm-hmm. and being more like, "You got it. You can't be a rapper or be in this culture if you're not going to respect it." And I don't, but I also don't blame the guys. They're 19. Yeah. I mean, did you give a shit about, I mean, no. your parents' stuff? Like, those guys, like, pre, DJ Premier is, could be Lil Yachty's dad. Yeah. Right? Let's just think about this a little bit. Well, Chuck D's like Chuck really closing on 60s. Right. We're really, curm- yeah, right? Like, we're really curmudgeon about hip hop. And, but maybe we shouldn't call it hip hop anymore. That's my thing. I'm like, I'm not quite sure if Waka Flocka is hip hop. Yeah. He might think he is. But, well, even Ka- some of Kanye's stuff, too, right. is really kind of pushed to edges right. of, like... But I don't want to fight against that, though. It's, like, musical and music, and people want to progress, right? So, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm pretty forgiving, but I do have, like, dude, I have so many people who are like, oh, did you hear this guy trying to... Ebro played him a jam, a premiere, and he can't rap over it, and he said he wouldn't do it. I don't know that. I don't want to fuck with that old stuff, you yeah. know? It's, like, and the cardboard stuff. That's where you start thinking. When you insult it, that bugs me, but... I think we have to be a little bit more open-minded in the spans and go like, you know, they're young. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I imagine like Stevie Wonder was like, I don't want to sound like that. I want to sa- I don't want to sound like what, you know, was before me. I want to progress. Yeah. So, but the thing is with hip hop, it's so, it's the real. Mm-hmm. The real is so important. Keep it 100. Right. And so if you can't hold that, then maybe you shouldn't be hip hop anymore. And maybe these guys aren't calling themselves hip hop. Maybe we're calling them hip hop. I think that's a problem, you know. So, but I mean, there's bigger fish to fry. They might elect Trump down there. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like I know from my own background. Like my parents came out of Egypt, and so when they when we were growing up, they knew who the Beatles were, and they knew who the Stones were, and they knew who Frank Sinatra was. So they had three good cornerstones. <laughs> But, like, they've never heard of The Who. Right. Or Queen. Right. Or some of these other oh, bands. Or the Kings. Yeah, yeah, Kings. and things like that. So they have these gaps. Right. And so growing up, I heard Beatles and Stones and Frank Sinatra, so I was good. And then I would go to university, and people were like, yo, Led Zeppelin. Right. I'm like, I don't like from, know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I think I know Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, people got to remember, too, the thing at the heart of music and, you know, rock and roll and hip-hop, those guys hated disco. They wanted to fucking slash that shit yeah. is rebellion so here i am swearing i said i wasn't gonna swear right? um you gotta be passionate yeah. uh but that's rebellious music and that's what music is you know like you know you want to fight and so but all good artists well not all right. good art but a lot of artists like 
when you find something, you're like, I don't think that's good. We could do better. Right. right? And it's that anti-stance. Have you heard of this kid, Afro? No. He's a rapper. He's really good. And he's a, like this appreciator of the culture. But he sounds like now. Mm-hmm. But he loves all that stuff. I mean, I feel like there's going to be just this, like, sometimes that's the renaissance. You have one guy who goes, and J. Cole was like this, you got to check this. I'm going to rap about Nas, so you check Nas. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that's important. But, I mean, not everybody can fall into that. They can't always fly the flag of her, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, the other thing is, like, to kind of keep going with this topic is yeah. just that we get handed, like, the, to go back to, like, the Beatles, the Stones, um, DJ Cool Herc, all these guys were like, this is important music. You just get, every generation gets that handed to them. Right. I'm like, this is important. You can't disagree yeah, with this, yeah. right? And so you were like, but the kids have to kind of find the value of it, right? Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, does KRS work, like, for a kid today? Like, was an 18-year-old yeah, kid. you push goth music on your kid, he's probably going to like the fucking Beach Boys. Right. Know, so. Sort of the rebelliousness of everything. You got to find your way into right. it. Every yeah, kind of, yeah. like, you know? I think we're too hard on these young rap guys. I really do. They can't diss it. That's my beef. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'm not going to this head bark. Yeah. Head rolling out of my head. Yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> That's the be- best lesson, I think, Sammy. That's it. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're well, helping the young kids out today, which is great. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. So it premieres on Sunday on HBO Canada. Yes. So it's going to premiere Sunday, 9 p.m. Uh, HBO Canada, and it's going to run consecutive Sundays. And it's four episodes. Four episodes, yeah. And then are you hoping eventually to get it to the States or how? Because obviously... I can say anything about that. Nope. If, can I say this and if, if you have to cut it out? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, we sold it to Netflix. It's gonna So outside of Canada, you can watch it. Uh, it's going to be in a couple weeks uh, all over the world on Netflix. So okay. If you're in the U.S. or Scandinavia or some... You know, where do they like hip hop? Tokyo. They're doing like six different languages and yeah. subtitles. Yeah, Japan, Japan like yeah. Uh, subtitles. It's pretty crazy. We're really stoked about that because it's gonna be sort of paired with the Get Down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Spotify had that map not too long ago of like uh, different genres by country. Oh, cool. Of where everyone is listening and streaming stuff, and rap was everywhere. Yeah, it's the biggest. Genre yeah, in the world, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just shocking because the stuff like we hear a lot of stuff based in North America. Yeah, right from like Drake to Lil Wayne to whatever, but it's just like I want to hear Drake the biggest streaming. Yeah, guy, he's up yeah. there. Yeah, right. Like, but I want to hear stuff from like I don't know Honduras or something or like right. Brazil. Yeah, I like mean, the one interesting thing I think you could do. I think the there's uh, Dalton Higgins did a book about it, but there's like global hip hop is so different than. North American hip hop and the idea is like they they they're fighting it's like human rights civil rights those things are important to them you know the early stuff like the public enemies and you know right yeah that that all that stuff is really like Cuba they are like it's political like you know a lot of the Latino rap they they hold that in them so I I mean that's encouraging as much as you hear little Yachty and we're sitting there bitching about that stuff mm-hmm. I bet you if you pulled back and looked at the world and the way people use rhymes and and incorporating beats. It's in that essence, which is really awesome, I think. And that's, I mean, I don't know if you're a Public Enemy fan, but I like. Public and I'm, yeah. I'm a white guy. I remember the funniest <laughs> thing. I was like at my, like I said, I grew up really close to Cleveland, Detroit. So it's a fishing town. So you know, a lot of Detroiters love to fish in my town. They just love it. So there'd be a lot of blacks would come in. I remember I was painting my aunt and uncle in a camp, and I was like a kid. I'm painting. I'm listening to Takes a Nation of Millions, and these two black guys come in like. 
you like this? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, like, after they left going, uh, why did they do that? And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not really listening to this like I should be. Maybe it's the beats that were rocking me, yeah. which it was. But after that, it did open my mind. And, you know, you start to read stuff that Chuck would talk about and appreciate that sort it of It did the same thing for right? me, yeah, too. Yeah. Right? I think it did for a, a gazillion a yeah. kids, you know? Yeah. Because that was really, like... Thank you, Chuck D. Yeah, Chuck D, yeah. like, is awesome. Because... For me, same thing too. Where it's just like you're, the messages that we were getting in school and things like that, and like the the white police officer were coming with Elmer to safety elephant, and right, like if there yeah. was problems, you come to the cops and whatever. The messages we were getting from school were totally different than like Chuck D and other right. things. And like when yeah. NWA came out, and like yeah, take a look, right? Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. I mean that. I mean I think Karis one. This is you know cliche, but he called the rap the you know the black CNN. So, and I I mean I even BDP for me revelation and like think about how other people are getting treated outside of your little hub you know mm -hmm. and, and most of the time is you know people who are a lower income maybe they're you know black or latino and they yeah. were yeah like the, their day-to-day -day was not easy you know mm -hmm. talking to guys in the episode four it's pretty fucking crazy about the la experience that they had you know uh i can't imagine my son's walking home and feeling that scared yeah you know? and it wasn't just that gangbangers police mm -hmm. you know so people who are supposed to protect you yeah you know and when you can't trust that then it messes right. you I up ice t said this awesome thing he was like when the gang you know the height of the gang conflict and the police in la it was around daryl gates who you know i mean if you want to look into daryl gates and google that name you'll find just you know this like crazy military you know he was trained by a guy named william parker who was uh, the LA's first, um, you know, not maybe the first, but like right before Daryl Gates, like this, he, he ruled the cops for maybe two decades in Los Angeles. And then uh, Daryl Gates took over and they took every single African-American in Compton and fingerprinted them. Didn't mm -hmm. matter who you were. Yeah. So imagine that. How's that going to feel to you, right? You mm -hmm. know? The whole so, Rampart scandal. Right. Like, you know the stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the OJ documentary, but the opening, the first episode. The was 30 for 30? What they, yeah, they do the four parts. Yeah, yeah. give me five. That was yeah, an awesome really good, one. Right? Yeah, the first episode is quite, quite yeah. crazy because they really do this sort of parallel of OJ's sort of uh, existence uh, as a sort of guy who's in sports and also in the threat of uh, becoming a celebrity with the LAPD. You know, mm -hmm. It's really great. I, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> one of the things that cracks me up is that uh, OJ's family is really shady. <laughs> like they were yeah. like, pretty shady yeah. people right so it's really crazy though but that idea that you see exactly where this all led to and you know i remember you know in the in the trial they had the the cops tapes was a big part of you know the reason why he got mm -hmm. acquitted so uh they did it to themselves a little they, bit you yeah. Know? yeah but i mean that's also like that's also the same way like jay-z is another example similar to oj in the sense that like Jay-Z can kind of work and go through these white cultures, kind of. That's what was what, what, what. Ah, That's funny you said that. I've, there's girls from my high school who hated rap when I was in high school who now go to Jay-Z concerts. That's what I'm saying. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a legitimate I'm one, though, saying, right? But, uh, like, you know, yeah, it's funny. you know, and it's like I've heard people, like, say things like, I don't like rap music. Or, like, girls, I know, like, yeah. I don't like rap music. It's terrible. girls out of yeah, yeah. guys, too. But. but, like, then they'll listen to, like, Beyonce or something like that. And it's like, that's not yeah, a rap music. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm trying to get a here. Yeah. Try to defend the, the Utes. <laughs> the Utes. We always go back to the Utes. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you so much for yeah, coming in for and like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And people like uh, Russell Peters. He's kind of seen it too, and he's happy yeah, with it. Yeah, Russ came to the uh, hot dogs he, he thing. Did. 
He DJed and Melly Mel. Yeah, this was a pretty crazy. Yeah. We had a, the premiere at the Hot Docs uh, Festival. We had this really great little gathering after, and Russ DJed. Russ is a great DJ, mm -hmm. and Mel got on the mic. So it was this really funny marriage of seeing the. They're really good friends, actually. Russ has done a really good job of being like fanboy into friends, but he did know a lot. Like, I remember he, I think he had told me he brought like Nice and Smooth and. Um, those kind of acts to Toronto, and he, I, you know, DJ Mastermind. Uh, mm -hmm. He's on, uh, I think, the Move 93.5, the Move, and uh, they were partners. And Russ would host his mixtapes and stuff, so they're really deep. But <laughs> Russ has awesome. been Russ has been super helpful, and um, yeah, just a, just a just a good partner in this whole thing, and uh, a supporter. He loves the culture. Yeah. What's next for you? Just as we wrap wow, up, then I think I'm unemployed in a week because we're packaging <laughs> the last show. But I am uh, currently. We shot a little bit of a documentary about D and D Studios, which is um, DJ Premier Studios in New York. Um, it basically everybody calls the Abbey Road of '90s hip hop. Jay Z recorded Reasonable Doubt. There, Nas did a bunch of Illmatic. Biggie did a bunch of Ready to Die in there. It's Premier's home. He made it his home, but it was owned by these two guys, Dave Lotwin and Doug Grama. And there were these two sort of out of fish. They weren't hip hop guys. Little young Jewish guys took their bar mitzvah money and bought the studio. And Premier just ended up there because he got kicked out of another studio, and it just became this mecca. Every Google it. Every good hip-hop record in the 90s a lot of them is from that place and it got closed down last year gentrification new york okay eh? um so I've new york is losing that. a couple of places right. in the last yeah. couple of years it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of evolves it's sad. that place is so great and the yeah. stories that are from that so we're we're still looking around you know we're in the early stages of that that documentary so hopefully that'll get kicking and before that i was working on a documentary about you know music for me is everything so about uh, a lot of the jamaican pioneers who came to toronto in the 60s Jackie Matu and the Cougars and the Mighty Pope. So I actually buried that because I did the hip hop stuff and it's taken you know a lot of years. So that's been going on for a while for me. So hopefully I'm going to be able to revisit that in the next few months. And How long did going. the hip hop one take? It was almost like three and a half years. Yeah. Oh, man. Off and on. Yeah. Off and on four years actually. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Not easy to do. Yeah, yeah. I can. I mean, you got to shoot a lot for a documentary, right? right and then yeah. like, and then you got to clear all the music. The licensing is the most. I got to tell you, the dejecting part of the whole process. Yeah. That's another podcast. But you got it all done, though. <laughs> right. Well, we're close. Close? <laughs> all <laughs> yeah, right. It's real close, yeah. All right. Well, It'll be on TV, and so that's okay. good. Yeah. yeah, just drop it on TV and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Eh? Lawyers would be hounding me. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Sam. Thanks, Darby, for it, coming man. in, just kind of talking hip-hop. Yeah, like, I like you know, that. I hope yeah, I didn't so. say anything too stupid. Eh? Did I say anything stupid? Much? No, we have a, a smart filter that we run everything <laughs> through, so it'll like clean it up Sweet. and like take your smaller words and make bigger words. Yeah, great. And like, I like it. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do here. I'm, I'm way more capable of saying stupider things than I think I just said, so that's good. Yeah, that's right. Only yeah, I only had the one beer. beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, that's why we do it in a bar, too. Then we get more honest interviews yeah, and stuff. Right, we get all yeah, the dirt. Yeah. If you got me here at midnight, maybe you did. Let's yeah. do this again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had, uh, Let me tell you something. Do you know who Schoolie D is? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I remember after the Schoolie D interview, he called me up after. He's like, Dobby, come back to the place. I got more to say. And I was like, Schoolie, it's like two in the morning. I'm, the guys are the camera guys are sleeping. And then he said, "All right, fuck it. You're not gonna have a good fucking documentary." And then he, I'm just like, <laughs> he's still pretty good though. Yeah, yeah. you know, Schoolie, he's a character. Yeah, <laughs> they were all awesome characters. Like when you sit down and just kind of look at them, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's like leaving them on camera. It's just such a let those guys tell their own stories for sure. And yeah. that's, I mean, the that's the thing with New York City too. New York City 
create these characters. Right. We don't have as many characters and like stuff like that in Toronto. Right. The jewel of the states, New York mm-hmm. City. If you ask me, there is. That's what it is, and I think that's why people are like that. You're on top of each other. The Bronx, for example, you know, everybody's on top of each other. You're like, it's dense, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that place. It's just breeze community to me, you know. But it's that hustle and that energy. Right. Like, once you step out of your apartment, your hotel room, it hits you. Yeah, it's the hustle of New York is both a good thing to me and a bad thing in some cases, right? If you can't handle it, then you're gonna crash hard. Yeah. If you can handle it, you're gonna be. Huge. Yeah, because even the hot dog guy wants to sell like a hundred hot dogs right. yeah, that yeah, day, yeah. right? It's not oh, just somebody with like a wrap. Got it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's just like everybody's yeah. working. So you gotta beat the hot dog guy. Right. That's how hard you gotta hustle. That's Toronto. That's pretty good. That's good. Actually, when Toronto, you can coast a little bit. You right. know what I mean? Because yeah, it's like, what, what, yeah. what do we have to worry about? The hot dog guy's just chilling here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We're gonna drive to Woodbridge to our palatial estate or whatever. Yeah. All right. That's it. Let's go get some more drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. That's fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great.